It's that time of the week again. It's that time when the latest episode of Digital Kill the Radio Star drops. Drop! It's time to waste another hour or so with David and Chris as they spout out more of their worthless music knowledge. It's time to hear them discuss the music of their youth. As well as the music of today. So kick back, relax, and have some fun with David and Chris. Digital Kill the Radio Star starts right now. (laughs) Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Digital Kill the Radio Star podcast. I am your host, David. I'm here with my co-host, Chris, and we're at his house in Memphis, Tennessee, and we have our buddy, Caton, back with us. Caton, you got our Striper interview uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we think we're going to use you some more in the future and sit in whenever you want to. So, uh, welcome back. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you letting me join you. It's and, always a lot of fun. And uh, we, I think we got to, picked up some new listeners from that interview. And once again, thanks to Striker, Striper and thanks to their management team for allowing us to do that. Uh, it was a really, really cool moment, and I had a lot of fun. I know you guys did as well. Definitely. Yeah, it was. Backstage at Graceland. It was a cool experience. It was. So, Chris, why don't you introduce our, our, our buddy here for his third time on our podcast? Yeah, man. It's hard to believe. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, yeah, it, this this guy we're excited to have back. Um, when we brought him on last time, we, we thought there could possibly be a new record coming out, but we didn't really know. But now things are really moving for this guy, for his band, and we're really happy because not only do are we fans of the band... We're fans of this guy as a human being, so um, you know we're happy to welcome back Todd Poole, Roxy Blue. We're going to talk about a new record, what he has going on, but let me skip all that. Oh, yeah. Todd, Don't forget welcome. now, we're friends too now. That's right. That's cool. I mean, he, we, we Todd, did, he is we, a buddy, man. Yeah, what we did, what, part one, part two, yeah. part three? <laughs> yeah, and we did become like, it's like this weird friendship. It's like, it's funny, and David and I have talked about this, and, and Caton falls into this too. That, that doesn't trip out the six-year-old the sixth grade Chris Craig at all does it? That no, I mean, you know, well, buddies now. I don't want to make him feel too old because I was—I think I was like eighth grade or whatever. Right. But, uh, but but I remember, yeah. I mean, we were fans. This was an album, want some that we loved. We loved, and it—I mean, we never really thought that we would talk about the album with this guy, let alone drink beers with him. As Todd said, as a friend, not as the singer right, Bronson Blue, but as a friend. So. It's good to have you yeah, back. You guys on. are dear to my heart, man. We we, we kind of hung out a bunch, you know. Chris has come to some local shows and hung out with from uh, under the radar guys, and we've hung out. And yeah, man, we're excited about this new record, man. Uh, Frontiers picked us up and and uh, offered us a deal and and to make a new record after 27 years, man. And we're. Um, we took it. I mean, they've been nothing but great to us, and uh, 
just, you know, everything's going on now. So, you know, I think the buildup, David was talking about, you know, and, and you just, it's like the whole buildup to this. You know, Chris, you were mentioning, you know, we never thought that, you know, you, we thought a record was coming out because I know we've talked about it before, and I think that we knew it was. Uh, well, it's, it is. August 9th, it's coming out, the new Roxy Blue CD. And uh, it's a very different-sounding record than the Want Some record. Well, let's let's go back a little bit because I, I want to kind of get to how we got to this point. First of all, thank you again for coming on. Um, I've had so many people from other podcasts talk about those first two interviews we did with you. Matter of fact, uh, Chris from uh, Dustful Geek said on their podcast, he said that's exactly how a long form uh, podcast should be done. That was mine and Chris's and Kate's first ever interview. What, to get somebody like me on there that's long-winded? I guess. Well, it was just a great <laughs> but, but you do make a good point, though, Todd. It's like, we, I've told people when they say how good it was, it's like, well, it's we not us. It's the person that we're talking to. It's the to. stories, man. There's just so much to talk yes. about. It's 27 years, but, you know, we had a lot going on back then. So, yeah. All right. So, All right, so the last time that I, that I talked to you at any length was backstage, at, or not backstage, after your show with Brett Michaels. And you came up to us and said there were a couple of record companies talking to you, and ultimately you chose Frontiers. So how, how did that how did that happen? Well, man, you know the Frontiers deal actually happened that week. Uh, we were actually in rehearsals for. Um, I had talked first of all. I had talked to to Bill Chavis with uh, Highball and. Uh, and they got you know every mother's nightmare, and they got a um, couple really good bands, and um, so and Bill's a great guy, man. So we we talk you know periodically, and and you know we had I, I just I love their family that they have over there. I love I know the you know I think that every mother's nightmare is in good hands with those guys, and Bill's just he and his wife are great, and you know we just kind of pondered that, and that's what I look for. Well, we were actually at rehearsals for the Brett Michael show. And I'm not sure that Roxy Blue is really I don't know that we were getting back together at that point. I mean, I think we were we were thinking about it. It was a it was a good thought. Um, but while we were at rehearsals, I got a phone call. And I had noticed that this phone number had called me throughout like the last two weeks. I mean, a bunch. I'm thinking it's a bill collector. You're screening the call. <laughs> and I just don't, I, by rule of thumb, I just don't answer. And I decided to answer. We were taking a break, and we were hanging out, and I answered the phone. And it was Nick Teeter from Frontiers. So we got a real good laugh out of how I dodged his phone call. And he, he got it. So anyway, he said, look what are you doing? I told him we were getting ready for the Brett Michaels show and uh, all the guys are actually here. He's like, well, good. I, I wanted to, you know, we just uh, made it, did a deal with Tor Tora and we have been trying to get in touch with you. We'd like to see if you guys would be interested in making a record for Frontiers and us signing you to the label. And I was like, well, cool. Let's, um, let me just ask everybody real quick. So I just basically um, asked everybody, and they said, um, absolutely. I mean, you can't turn that down. Frontiers is a great label. They got, you know, they've got every, White Snake, War. I mean, they got everybody on the label. And my big deal with 
frontiers at first was and, and honest and me being honest about this my father-in-law Jimmy Jamison was on frontiers and so I used to hear a lot of frontiers music through him you know he'd have CDs and stuff and it was all really good but it was all to me kind of melodic rock um, very good but it kind of sounded a lot alike. And, and it was important for me that we were able to make the record we wanted to make, you know? And so I was kind of like walking on a thin line there to say, hey, you know, we'd love to do this, but are you, are we, are we gonna be able to make, I, I kind of talked to him, to Nick about that situation and said, are you going, you know, how, how are we going to be able to do this? I mean, you want, can we make, you know, our kind of record? And he's absolutely, everything's changed. We're, we're, you guys can make the record you want to make and you can package it the way you want to package it. And we're going to put it out there everywhere for everybody to hear. And that was like music to my ears. So I was, so I think every, once everybody heard that, because after 27 years, if we're going to come out with a record. I definitely wanted it to be, we weren't really sure what it was going to be like. We have not gotten together and written. You know, you know, I've written a lot of songs, but to get an opportunity to write a Roxy Blue record, man, was like it was intriguing to me. I mean, I pretty much wiped my slate clean and went, "Okay, cool, man. I'm going to write a Roxy Blue record." And so that's how we got hooked up with Frontiers, and so. We had not actually signed the deal, but we told him we were going to do it. So I think when I told you that, I mean, Bill, Bill was at that show. He was real happy for us, too, for, for doing that with Frontiers. And I think we made a really good choice. Nick Teeter and his team, you know, all the guys in Italy and, and girls in Italy, the whole team has just been on it. I mean, like, overseas interviews, I mean, they're all over it. So we... Um, we're happy to be with Frontiers, and we're happy to have a new record. And I'm hoping everybody is going to love the record. It's it's a little different, and you know we'll talk about that. But yeah, we're cool. So Todd, you you just perfectly stepped into a segue. To be honest with you, on, on the next question that that, that we were going to ask, and and that's you know it, listen, it has it has been 27 years since since Want Some was released, and uh, no surprise. I mean that's an album that that many fans of Roxy Blue and of the overall genre. Uh, hold very near and dear. I mean, it was an incredible album. And, Thank you. you know, when you guys regrouped and and started writing for the new album, you know, you just covered that you guys have certainly progressed from a musical perspective and you wanted something to be relevant uh, to 2019 and not kind of a repeat of 1992. I guess my question is, was there a certain dynamic or kind of a conscious effort from you and the band to strike somewhat of a balance between the classic Roxy sound and perhaps where you guys are now musically in 2019? Or did you just let the creative process take over and, and, and really lead the way with what you wanted with this record? Man, that is a great question. It really is. Um, well, I pretty much wrote, well, I wrote this record. So, and you know, it's been said, I've heard that, you know, it's Roxy Blue and tagged on to Todd Poole, you know, but it, it really is a, even though I wrote the songs, it is a Roxy Blue record. Um, I, and I, I talked to you guys earlier about this, you know, um, Sid and I wrote 
a lot of wants on. We lived together, man. We, we wrote all the time. And all the guys wrote. And all the guys still do write. I mean, Scott E.T. is, you know, he does stuff with Martina McBride. He does stuff with Amy Grant, Nelson. I mean, he's, he's busy. He's recording all the time in Nashville. And Josh, Josh came right out of Roxy Blue, went into Dust for Life. Um, and Jeff, our new guitar player, which we'll talk about, um, he's great. But he's played with everyone from Every Mother's Nightmare to Full Devil Jacket, Jasmine Kane. He's so to answer your question about this record, um, it was very important to all of us, and especially me writing. And, and the thing is, it's not that I just took control and said, Hey, man, I'm gonna write this record. Um, we're, we're definitely a team, um, and we always have been a team, but we're all smart enough to know if something's working. Let it work. You know what I'm saying? Don't try to get in there just because you want to have an input. And I think I'm lucky enough to play with guys that are not only unbelievable musicians, all three of the guys I play with are just, they're all top-notch musicians. They, they, you know, Scotty and Josh, they haven't lost a thing. Both of them are just, I think they're better now than they ever were. Um, great rhythm section. I'm, I'm very God, blessed to have them playing. Um... But when I approached this record, even though I was going to write a Roxy Blue record, I had to, I didn't want to write Want Some. Yeah. I can't write Want Some. I mean, I guess I could if I went back. I just, you know, after Saliva, after doing that and then doing 714 and, you know, and different uh, projects that I had, you know, I changed. You know, I mean, and I'm older now. We're all older. There's a lot more to write about than sex, drugs, and rock and roll, which I know that sounds cliche, but that's what we knew back then, man. That's <laughs> it. And it was okay to know that because we had no responsibilities. You wake up, you had sex, you, knew it well, you did right? drugs, <laughs> and then you rock and roll, okay? Or, you know, and you can change the order. Yeah, exactly. You know, but um, these days, you know, I have a beautiful wife, um, and beautiful kids, and and we we all do, and and it's just you have more to write about, and life has a way of, of coming in to you. In me and writing, I have a lot more to say. Um, I'm not much of a storyteller, a writer. I've never have been like a. There's so many like you know your Dylans, and I'm trust me, I'm not comparing me to these guys, but you have guys that can, can tell a story. I'm not much of that kind of guy. I, I, I do write. My heart, I wear my heart on my sleeve, and I, I know that's just the same, but I, I, I write from my heart and I write honest. So, you want to please everybody. I do. And Scotty T and I talked about this when he heard the demos that I made for the songs that, you know, man, hey, man, there's going to be some old school Want Some fans that are going to be like, wow, what is this? This is nothing like Want Some. And, but he liked it. And I'm like, dude, just you and Josh put your flavor, put your stuff on it, and I think we're going to be okay. So when it's all said and done, we listen to the record, and, you know, we, it, it, there's touches of the old Roxy in there. I just can't go back. I'm, I'm looking to go forward with this, and I'm just not wanting to tread water. You know, I'm not going to sit here and go... Okay, well, let me just go back and try to write like an extension of want some. But I don't think that I would have been honest. 
And I think that would have, I mean, people are smart and they're, they're, they would have seen right through that. Mm. And I don't think that we would have been happy. I don't think the fans would have been happy. There might have been a handful of them. Oh, yeah, yeah, great. We didn't get to want some too, so here it is. But it's 27 years later, so it's a little late for want some too. So we decided to make a self-titled record, which we've always had a tag. Even with the F&A stuff we did, you got a lot of night moves. You got stripped. And then you got more. want some more. So, you know, you couldn't imagine the people that had emailed me and or texted me and said, hey, dude, you should call it this. You should call it this. You know, get some or whatever, you know. And I'm like, man, I just wanted to escape all that. And I had a few cool titles that I... You told me one of them. What was Which one was You told it? me Scream. Well, it's a song on the record. It was called Scream. That was one of them. Uh, I can't even remember that. I've had so much. How many, how much, how many titles? I, oh, I know one of them was Life on Mars. I talked to Anthony Corder about that one. He liked that one. I had this great idea for a cover and all this stuff. But Scotty T walked up to me one day and he's like, you know what, dude? We've never had a self-titled record. We should just, just, call, it, just call it Roxy Blue. So I, we changed the logo. Anyway, so basically to answer your question in a nutshell would be, um, what was the question again? No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, we like the record, um, and I think the record's got a lot for everybody out there. I think if you, when, when, once everybody hears the record and they hear all the songs and they listen to it two or three times without any predetermined going, you know, this doesn't sound like the old Roxy Blue or... I think that you'll get it. I, I think they'll get it. I think everybody will go, yeah, man, I get it, man. I understand it now. I understand. I'm really happy with the lyrics. There's some great subject matters. Um, and, of course, we'll get back together when the record comes out and we'll discuss the songs. But uh, we're really happy with it. So I think that... I think um, the thing to think about as well is just you know being conscious that you're right. There's always going to be a handful of old school... You know, want some fans that 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 perhaps you know uh, may say, "Well, wow, we just wanted want some part two. But you mentioned right, you guys have okay grown, they you've progressed, that. and you've got more to talk about. Well, guess what? Probably ninety-five percent of your fan base also has a family now. You know, right. they aged as well. So that's a that's a great you know, analogy. I, there, there's a lot of maturity and growth in your fan base as well. And you know, probably with you know what most of us have heard, you know, with silver lining. I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of excitement around that growth in Roxy Blue. Well, and yeah, and you know, the thing is, is that that 27 years, and we're coming out with a record. We're looking to move forward. You know, um, we weren't looking to go. Let's pop in here and let's make a record and be done with it. You know, that would have been the easy thing. Oh yeah, let's just make a record and we'll do a Roxy Blue thing. So I'm always been the kind of guys like if I'm going to do something because I've been asked to do this Roxy thing for years and I veered away from it. It just didn't feel right. And now it felt right and we did it. And I gotta tell you, we're looking to keep going with this. So to keep going, awesome. I have to write what feels great for, for me and what, and you know, no, like I said before, you know, Scotty and Josh putting their flavor on this record, I think really, really, did even though songs are different than once um they still have that cool sound together that chemistry that kind of brings the roxy blue back but 
we're looking for a new Roxy Blue here, and we're looking to gain new fans, you know, and keep the old fans, and maybe give people something to look forward to, and not try to rehash what we've already done. So if that makes sense, you know. So that's what we're. That's basically where we're at. Now. Well, let's piggyback off of that when you're talking about the let's the, do the sound, the changes, the differences. You know, I know you said that there's going to be. It's going to be. It's it's heavier. It's different. It's it's not. You know what. Is it 92? Is that the record? 92, man. Okay, I got it right, man. I'm glad. But I know it's not like 1992 anymore. So it's a little bit heavier, you know, but you've you've said in other interviews, you've hinted there's going to be still a little bit more that that Roxy flavor that gets in there, the 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 harmonies that are that come that we've that we loved on the first Roxy record. The the classic Roxy ballads. So with all that being said, all that stuff we're going to hear, the first single Yeah. 
definitely was a, I mean, that, that was the punch. I mean, this is like, hey, here's the new Roxy. We're different. We're heavy. We're strong. So was that, I guess, was that a conscious effort? Was that you're choosing to go with that song first as a single? Was that Frontiers? And then, you know, the last part of that would be is that, would you say that's a good representation of what the fans will hear on that album? And two, I'll just before Todd answers, I'm going to say, we're going to pause after he answers this because we are going to play the song Silver Linings in case you haven't heard it. All right, Todd. Oh, well, I'm so glad you asked this question. I really am because there is such a cool deal with this. So, so how this works is we we feel like we have a lot of cool songs on this record that can that could be singles. And and I'm not saying that in an egotistical way or any way. I'm just we, I feel really good about. It was really hard to pick the first three songs. So yes, Frontiers does have something to do with that. But they're very cool and saying, look, we want you guys to be happy with the first three too. So we got to make a compromise here. So as far as Silver Lining goes, um, that was not, that was one of my first choices for the first single. And not so much that, like Josh would say, you know, we got songs with maybe stronger hooks. But it's so left field to me to where we were that I really, I, I was kind of pushing for it, but there was another song that we are releasing that I wanted to be our first single, but I think that after talking with Frontiers, and everybody agreed on the second single that's coming out next week um, with a video, and we'll talk about that, but um, the weirdest thing that happened was Silver Lining. So we kind of had Frontiers, uh, songs that we could go with and then we all came up with the ones so we were trying to combine those and say okay but what's going to be after 27 years you got to go dude your first single after 27 years it's almost kind of a bittersweet deal because you're excited about it but you're like you know this is going to be the first thing anybody hears that's new in 27 years so it's kind of nerve wracking so this might have not been the... So I remember Nick Teeter from Frontiers said to me, because I was pushing for this other song, but even though Silver Lining was... It, it, Silver Lining was the last song that I actually wrote for the record. Is that right? Yes, it was actually called another song. It was called Take the Wheel. And Wayne Sweeney and I kind of collaborated on this song and from Saliva. And I sent it to Scotty, and he liked it, and he, but he came up with a great point. He's like, dude, in the chorus, you say, Jesus, take the wheel. He goes, dude, that's like the Holy Grail in Nashville with, uh, I guess it was Carrie Underwood. Carrie Underwood, yeah. And, you know, I knew that, but, I mean, the song, of course, is nothing like that. So they, all the guys were like, maybe you should just change a word. And I couldn't do it. I'm like, man, I just can't do this, man. This is not, you know, I got to write about something. So I'm not just going to fix a word. That, but I did try for about 10 or 15 minutes, and it just didn't hit me. And I'm like, don't worry about it, guys. I'll, I'll see if I can write something else. So that song was actually on the burner of even not even making the record. 
because so, it so really the music was there. The, the music was, was there. recorded. So you just kind of changed. The Let me tell you what happened. I went to the I went to the studio one night working on something else, and I'm on my way home, and I got I had all the stuff on my phone, and I punched the wrong button, and the music to what is now Silver Lining came on with no lyrics on, with no word. I wasn't singing on it. It was the version without anything on it, just the music track. And I'm on my way home and I start writing and I'm singing this other melody and I'm and I'm like, and this is weird because this never happens to me. So I'm like, man, I got the soul. I called Jimmy Falk at the studio the next day and I was like, dude, um, I got home last night and I just wrote a new song to that and he's like and because he knew what we had talked about with Scotty and everything and he's like well let's record it I'm like okay cool so the next day I think it was a day after that I went out to the studio and I'm sitting in there and he says well let me hear what you got I'm like I got a better idea push red let me just do it I don't want to talk about it and what what I'm going to get to your answer here in a minute. <laughs> but that song basically was written, my wife and I were really into this kind of thing, but about being in between the negative and the positive. Like, you know, all in your life, everybody's kind of dealt with decisions. You know, am I going to go this way? Am I going to go left? Am I going to go right? You know, I'm going to go up. I'm going to go down. You know, you know what decision are you going to make? So that song is about being what I call the silver lining is you're you're in between the negative and the positive and you got to find a way to sometimes turn a negative into a positive and it really is your choice at the end of the day no matter what. So I went in the studio and Jimmy pushed red and I went for it and it was the song was done and it was nobody said a word. And I looked at him and he took his headphones off and he looked at me and he went, "Dude, I love the other song, but you just topped it. I like it. So how did we come up with this being the first single? So we, we, we got the song recorded and everything. Everybody in the band dug it. They loved it. They were like, cool. This is like, it was like a whole different tune. It was cool. So my wife, Amy, had never heard any song from the record. She kept asking me and I wouldn't play her anything. I wanted her, I, and you know, I wanted her to hear when it was done, you know. So I made her a CD. I said, look, here's a CD of the whole record. Don't play it for nobody. It's for you and you only. And it's like a mixtape when you were a kid. Right. And you don't except it wasn't on cassette. Okay. And you do not have to tell me what you think at all. I mean, I don't want you to butter me up. I don't want you to tell me it's good because you love me or whatever. Just, I want you to have it. So, two days went by. You know, deep down, I'm going, yeah, I really want her to tell me what she thinks. <laughs> so, two days go by, and she comes to me, and she says, hey, I just want to tell you, I love the new CD. I think people are going to freak out. I think it's really good. And I'm like... Oh, you're not just saying that. She goes, no, no, no. I just wanted to live with it. I wanted to jam it out in my car. And I don't think she said jam it out. I think, but she's. I just wanted to play it until you know I knew what was up. I'm like, well, what's weird is she goes, what's what's your first single gonna be? And 
this comes back to what you're asking. I said, well, this is what Frontiers, you know, Frontiers is, is, is wanting a few songs and we're wanting, I'm not saying anything about song titles or nothing. I'm just saying they, we're kind of trying to make a compromise. After 27 years, we've got to make sure this first single is, is, is it, it doesn't have to be the greatest thing in the world. It just has to be something that we think represents us in an honest way. Wow, what do you think? And my wife looks at me. Now, she, my wife ain't no hard rocker. I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> and she says, I think your first single should be Silver Lining. And completely floored me. So Nick Teeter from Frontiers is really pushing for Silver Lining. I send out this text to all the guys and said, look, man, I need everybody to tell me what they think the first single should be, but it has to be between this song and this song. And everybody was cool. Everybody thought Silver Lining would be cool. So, And then I think we're cool with the next two. So cool. we're, we're good. The bad thing is is that there's two or three more that everybody is dying to make sure we get a single out. I mean, there's one called on the record called Collide that is our times are changing, I think. And it's a ballad, obviously. Well, yeah. It is, it, it, but it's, it's, it's different. But it, it is, it's, it's that, it's the, that guy, the guys immediately were like, when I first wrote the song, it was like six minutes long, and Josh Scotty's like, dude, we've got to get this down closer to four. It has to be a single. Josh is like, we are doing a video for Clyde, right? I mean, everybody's about, every time, no matter what's being talked about, it comes back to that song. So that will not be one of the first three songs, but hopefully we will do something with it. All right, so you mentioned Wayne from Saliva. The first time we interviewed you, you said that at that time you and him were um, writing some songs. And did any of those, other than Silver Linings, wind up on the album? Well, that song actually was not... Um, we actually were going to start a project together. And yeah, it was just a thought. But we did start kind of writing for that. But that was not... Uh, for this, Wayne actually was the first guitar player. He was actually going to be our guitar player. Um, yeah, he, he played with you. We saw well, he played the, the Brett Michael. He did show. a great job. And so we actually, that's when we started writing uh, some songs. Um, so yes, he does have, he is on, he's on a couple of songs, two songs he co-wrote with me. Um, he came up with some cool ideas and I just ran with it. Um, so yeah. Um, and you know, the thing is with Wayne, Wayne really wanted to do this and we've played with Jeff before at the Patrick Francis deal. Um, the benefits show yeah, Inglewood. Yeah. Both which there, and, and, and Jeff did a great job. And, but Sweeney had, because Wayne was our second guitar player in the original Roxy Blue after Sid, we reached out and he really wanted to do it. The problem with this is I had to make a decision because I was looking to really, I think all of us were, we, we wanted we want to make this a real deal and we want to go for it. And Wayne is, all Wayne's known for the last 20 years is saliva. So that's how he makes his money. That's how, that's his bread and butter. And he's the only original member in the band now. But they got a great band right now. And, they, and they, they're still doing what they love to do. And 
So I didn't want it to be, I thought Wayne and me talked for a while, and I was like, look, dude, I, I'd love for you to be playing in this band, but dude, let's just be honest. I can't wait on you to have a free minute to come do a show. You get it? And he understood. So I said, look, you know, I'm going to ask Jeff and see if he wants to do this because, you know, Jeff's really good. And, he, and Wayne loved that. It was Wayne was like, yeah, Jeff's a great player. You know, he'd be perfect. As much as I want to do it, I get what you're saying. I said, dude, I just don't want to, I don't want to have to take a, a back seat to what Saliva's doing. And that's your bread and butter, no matter if you want to do it or not. And that's your, that's your band. So anyways, that's when we ended up, uh, asking Jeff if he would be interested in being, I don't think it was really that big of a deal. We just said, hey dude, Jeff, I need a guitar player. You're great, you've played with us before. Would you be, I think, I don't even think I finished the sentence when he said yes. So so how long had you guys known Jeff? I mean, we're, we're familiar with him from, you know, when you played about with like full, you. I mean, Devil I, Jacket. I've known Jeff over the years. Every Mother's Nightmare you mentioned. and All those guys are my friends. What was so. that process of pulling him into the band? I mean, it was easy as far as, you know, you never know what somebody's going to say. I mean, I knew Jeff enjoyed the show we played together, and he had mentioned to me, hey, man, you know, I'd love to play with the band sometime. And, but time had gone by, and I don't know, if somebody's involved with another project or whatever, so I just, on a whim, I called him up and said, hey, man, you know, on a serious note, I need to know, would you be in, we're going we're gonna to make a record Frontiers, we're signing with Frontiers. I, you know, I need somebody. I need a. I need somebody that's gonna try to go on a permanent vacation with us. If you know what I mean. I need somebody that's gonna be there. I don't need a sit-in. I'm not. Roxy Blue's never been a sit-in band. You know, I need. I need to form the new Roxy Blue for what it is. And he said, "Absolutely, I'm in. I can't wait. When are we going in the studio?" And I'm like, well, that's great. Why don't you meet me there? Um, we, I think we ended up going in like the next week, and I sent him some ideas, and he went in there and absolutely just destroyed it, man. He did great. I mean, I think he brought a lot to the new sound, and he's a great guy to hang out with. Is he a Memphis guy, Todd? He lives in Jackson, Tennessee. But um, the other day, he was kind of talking about maybe coming to Memphis, so. We'll see. So I guess that's full devil, full devil jacket connection. I know they were a Jackson, right. Tennessee band. So great band too. Yeah, they were. Yeah, man, no, I, they were I really, really love that. Yeah. Was it "Make Me Martyr"? Is that the name of the song? Well, their last CD, oh, I know that they made with Justin Romer was just absolutely insane. So yeah. So so now that you you got the new you got the new guitar player, but for the fans out there listening, as we've mentioned. Scotty and Josh, they are back. So we got three of the yeah. four. Three of what was it like, man, after you mentioned 27 years, going back in the studio with these guys? I mean, that, that's a long time. And you're back in another record 27 years later. Well, I mean, it's weird because we've all kind of remained friends. Like, Scotty and I, um, you know, we, we did the thing with F&A Records together. And we stayed in contact the good thing is, all of us have continued to be busy with music. Mm -hmm. So we've never lost. If anything, we, I guess everybody's gotten better. But I, I did think at first, well, we're going to get together and do this, or we're going to click. When we did, when we got together for the rehearsal for the 
excuse me, for the Brett Michael show. Even at that point, without Jeff in, in, in the band at that time, and just to do that one show, I mean, I ain't lying to you, man. It was crazy. We just said, okay, cool. You ready? Let's just start. Here's the, everybody's got a list of songs, which we played mainly all want some stuff. You know, we didn't, we didn't play any new songs at that show. Well, we played some, a couple songs off the F&A thing, I think. Like older songs. Are you, are you already gone? So I'm like, okay, you ready? So we just started. And I mean, it was like we had never been apart. I mean, it was tight. It was just everybody knew the. Nobody had to sit around and go, "Hey, remember you sing this part?" And everybody just went for it. Well, I remember us getting done with like I think we just went through like two or three without even stopping. I remember stopping and looking at each other, going, and we just kind of laughed, like, you know, wow, man, we still got it. You know, we, we're, we're, we're together. You know, so when Jeff got in the band, we did a rehearsal um, to go do. I think we were going to go do Rock and Skull. And now Josh and Josh knew of Jeff and Scotty knew of him, but I, you know, they just didn't know him like I knew him. So it, that was the big question. Is he, is, is this the guy? Is he going to be able to do, I was like, dude, he's, he knows our stuff. Josh had played with him at the Patrick thing. So he was really hip to Jeff as far as playing. And man, we got in there and just once again, we started it up, and Scott. Everybody looked at each other. Was like, dude, we're back. I mean, without skipping a beat. I mean, I'm. I'm. I don't think that Jeff was ever meant to fill Sid's shoes. Sid is was an original guitar player. I mean, he's just he was great, and we tried to get him back for years, and we almost had him back. But I don't think that Sid's been playing music like we've all been playing music. So. I think he, Sid always had bad anxiety, and I think it was the thing with Sid, he's got a very successful dentistry going on, and I think his big deal was is he can't be that guy anymore, you know, honestly. He was always, we were always about being honest to the fans and being honest to ourselves when we played, and I think Sid can still play, but there's a big demand to play that music, I mean, and for him to feel like he could do it just like he did. He knows the pressure would have been put on him. I don't think he was up for the challenge for that pressure. I think he was like, hey, man, I'm pretty comfortable right now. Yeah. I'm making a little bit of money, and I got my own practice. And he did comment on the new single. I saw and, that on Twitter. And like he loved it. And, um, so, yeah, but Jeff, I think Jeff, if, if he looked at it having shoes to fill, I don't think he approached it that way. I know in the back of his head, I know he was going, you know, people were going to expect this of me. And he really respected Sid's plan. He was always a big fan of Roxy Blues, you know. Mm -hmm. And, um, man, you know, he just came in. And I, I think our, our new sound <coughs> is what it is. And I, like I said before, we're going to move forward. And we feel happy with the four guys we have. And, and all four of us are happy with each other. And, you know... We're starting to, we're, we're that team again. We're doing photo sessions. We're doing, we just shot a video for our new single. So, yeah, we're Todd, happy. do you have ESP? Because we have like perfectly laid out this interview <laughs> right. the last couple of days. I did not like, read it either. And you were, you were just, literally, you're like six for six. I'm just telling the story, man. All right, so 
the new song it will be released by the time this pod- podcast comes out because I'm not going to release it till it comes out. Thank you. Is how does it feel?
you showed us a little clip of the video. I did. It's really cool. Um, Amazing, actually. Tell us a little bit about this song and and why it was chosen as the second single because it's more of a ballad than uh, obviously Silver Linings is full ahead. So was this it's a, an about face? Yeah. Yeah. Was this a conscious song. decision to put out the ballad second? Well, well, and I don't know that it's so much a ballad. I get what you're saying. Yeah. It's, yeah. Well, I think the guys in Italy, the Frontiers, and everybody, everybody agreed they love that song, and it's a middle of the road kind of song. But I can see where you would say it was a ballad because it's got that hook like a ballad, but it moves a little more. Um, so that's how the new single that that's how that got picked. Everybody was in agreement. So we're doing this one second. The guy, you know, all the Frontiers guys in Italy and everywhere, they were all like, and Nick and this North America GM, everybody wants this song. So it was supposed to come out without a video. And the video was going to be wait, we were going to wait and just do one video for the third single. And which will be out before our record. So I can't give you a date yet, but August 9th, our record comes out and there will be another video. We're going to do another video before that. But so we, we all were talking and we were on the fence, man. Um, do we do a video for this song or do we wait and just pop all of our video fun into one? And so everybody in the band was like, well, I got a better idea. Let's do a video for this one and then we'll just come out with some more money and we'll do a bigger video for the next one. So we ended up doing a video for How Does It Feel uh, the other night, a couple nights ago. And man, it was really hot um, in this warehouse we did it in. But the, um, we did the video and we're really happy with it. And we, I think everybody's going to dig the, I think it's, they're going to dig it. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a darker type video as far as the look of it. Not your typical crazy running around Roxy Blue show, which hopefully will be for the next one. Um, but this one, the song, the song is about basically finding, finding your own way. Um, you know, if you listen to the lyrics, it's like, it's almost kind of shutting things out and being within yourself. You know, everybody's always got people telling them what to do or saying you need to, you know, this is the way it has to be. And sometimes almost putting you down to the point where you don't feel good about yourself anymore. But then you always have that moment when you're by yourself, which to me is everybody's greatest moment for themselves is when they're by themselves. They are. That's when you do, that's when you are who you are. You have no influences around you at all. You're by yourself. You're who you are. That goes with everybody in the whole world. You're by yourself. You are your real self. And that's what this song basically is. How does it feel when you don't have to think about that? When you're not having to be pulled in one direction or the other. And you are who you are. So your destiny basically is your choice and for you to make what you want to make out of, of yourself. Not what somebody else wants to make of you for what you want. And I think if you can ever grab that... A lot easier said than done, but if you ever can just hold on to what you really believe, I think in the long run, you'll be a happy person. And I think that's what the song, that's where I'm coming from in the song. 
So hopefully that relays over in the video. Yeah, and you guys, I mean, you know, stay tuned for that video when it's released. It's it's uh, it's amazing. And for those listening up north or not in the southeast area, let me just tell you, shooting a video in a warehouse in Memphis, Tennessee, in late June <laughs> with the uh, air with, wasn't with turned just on. a lot of fans <laughs> put on you is is quite an accomplishment in and of itself. Let me just let me just say that. So. Uh, yeah, so Todd, I know you guys uh, are offering uh, you know presale right now of, yes. uh, of the new album on uh, on uh, Amazon and pre-order through Frontiers. I mean, have you gotten any of the numbers? I mean, how's the how's the pre-order going for for the CD and and uh, is there potential uh, that there could be a vinyl release of the new album as well? Well, I don't keep up with the numbers. Um, I'm too busy, really. Um, but it seems like there's a lot of people. Every time I turn around, somebody's going, "Hey, man, I just got the album. Hey, I, I, I've just pre-ordered. I did a pre-order. I'll get. I'll look on one of our posts, which periodically I'll go to and look at, and and you know, everybody's like, "I got mine. I got mine. I got, I got mine. three. <laughs> I know. And the thing is, and thank you. And, I, and I, I'm thinking, you know, I made a big deal about, hey, you know, the the more you get, you know, if we get enough pre-sales, we'll get vinyl. And I feel like personally that we're going to get enough for vinyl just by what I've seen. And I'm sure, uh, but vinyl's very important to us. Of course, now everybody's like, well, man, you got to make sure the vinyl's blue, you know, which, oh, yeah, that'd be cool. Maybe it'd be silver in this case, though. <laughs> well, I don't know. You, you got the album cover and then you rip out the blue disc. That would be cool. We know, and the, and the big thing now is on a lot of vinyl. Or silver, as long as we get one, I don't well, give a shit. That's what I was going to tell you. Kind of the big thing, Kate and I are, are both big vinyl so guys. So blue splatter? It's the splatter. Well, so you'll have blue. That would, be, well, that would look awesome. So our friends over um, it, well, Audio Graphics or Thomas Halfager, who, who put all of our artwork together for the record, um, he comes in and he says, look, and that might be Memphis Vinyl now. I don't know. I think it but come over here and check this out because he was all excited about us having an opportunity because I know our vinyl when it comes out, I know we're having an open-up deal. It was very important and we had that. So Like just, a gatefold. Like yeah, a, so oh. people could actually, and then it's just to look at it, you know, like I did back in the day when I'm looking at the Kiss Alive record. I don't think it's that involved, but... He showed me all these discs, these vinyl discs on the wall, all these different colors. And I'm just going, because I'm sitting there going, yeah, it'd be cool if we get a blue. He's like, but it has to be that color blue. Because there's like three different color blues. And I'm going, it does, doesn't it? And he goes, or here's one that's kind of tie-dye. You know, it's got the two different colors. And I had no idea. But I'll be honest with you. I would be happy with a black one. You know, as long as we get a vinyl, because I know Absolutely. vinyl's big day, these days. And even back in the day with Geffen, we got a vinyl. They didn't release but a certain amount of vinyls. It was overseas as it well. It was overseas, and but I got one at home. And trust me, well, I, I remember cherish that vinyl. The, uh, Hopefully you've held probably on pretty that penny for it. Oh, yeah, yeah, I got it. At That's the awesome. first Rockin' Pod where we actually met you, there was a guy behind us had the actual had the vinyl. Had the vinyl. Really, That's really incredible. Cool. But guess what? He didn't have the vinyl inside that cover. <laughs> I don't think he did. Oh, he just had the... Oh, yeah. You think he's going to take that out of his house? <laughs> yeah. I don't think he did. He might have, but I, I didn't. But just to have a vinyl, I think we'd all feel like, damn, that's cool if we can get a vinyl. You know, so... Yeah, so Priest, we need you to order the record. That's what I'm, that, that's a, please order the record. 
And Mine is ordered. Yeah, just order order the CD, and then hopefully we'll get a vinyl. And that's a good heck. Point. I'll come to your house and sign it. I don't care. I just, <laughs> we need vinyl. Well, hey, I people do. listening may not know that the presale is 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 an option. So, right. So yeah, know, go to know. go to Frontier's website, and you can go to Amazon and pre-order it. And like I said, I've got three copies coming, and at Rock and Pod, I'm going to get Todd and the band to sign all three of those, and we're going to give them away on the podcast. Cool. And you know you can go to the Roxy Blue um, Facebook page, and we have all the information on there of where you can get your pre And y'all are selling signed copies, too. We're, we got, I think there's a, they're only going to make a limited amount. Um, I was hoping they would do more, but they're doing 100 and maybe if they get enough of them, I don't know. I would imagine. I don't know if there's any of those left or not, but go for it. Try to see if you can. But if you ever run into any, if you go to Rock and Pod Expo in Nashville on August 10th, we'll be there and we'll sign everything you have. So let's talk about what's up next with the live shows. Let's talk about playing live shows. You've got a date coming up with Warrant. You, you mentioned... Uh, Tell us the date again, Todd. July 19th, so we're I'm, playing uh, the Signal Theater in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, I was just talking to my friend Eric Turner and Warren one day, and I said, hey, man, I see that you guys are playing in Chattanooga. That's not really far from us. I think I might come to the show. He's like, dude, why don't you play it? And I was like, even better. <laughs> I would love to. We got a new record coming out. He goes, let me talk to my people and see if we can make that happen. And it'll just be you guys and us. And uh, I'm like, man, that would be really cool. Seeing that you guys, you and Janie and all you guys basically discovered us. We've never played a show together. Oh, wow. Is that right? Rock Lana, we played on the same bill, but we never played a show together. So Eric was like, oh, dude, it'd be fun. And plus, you know, we like hanging out together. He's my buddy. So they all are. So I just said, man, this is just, this is be great. And we didn't get a chance to hang out as long as we wanted to uh, in Rockland at the, that show. We hung out for a little bit, but not, you know, not like the typical hangout that we're used to hanging out with. So this would be great. So I got the call back saying, it's a done deal. Uh, this is going to be great. So it's going to be um, the show we have booked right now with so much going. We're actually we're actually working on. So we got July nineteenth at the Signal, Chattanooga, uh, Tennessee, with Warrant. Um, so if you anywhere near that place and you can get to that show, it'll be a great show. They said ticket sales were just like out the out the roof right now. This is great. They said, but after that. I mean, as far as a show goes, I've got a couple of acoustic things I'm flying out to do, but as far as the band goes, we're working on it. And we know that we have to book in advance, but we've been talking to some people. We're um, actually, uh, we're talking with um, my buddy Brad Lee right now with uh, Brad Lee Entertainment about um, doing work with us. And we're trying to work out some details right now. Um... I know that he has some stuff coming up um, that he's wanting us to do, but we're trying to get him them involved to basically, you know, I probably can't get too far into that right now, but we're, we're trying to get some shows. And, you know, we're, we're going to talk about, it, this question has come up a, a, a whole lot 
if, if I'm out and about in town, it, it don't matter where I go. Somebody says, hey, man, so when are you playing in Memphis? So... Did I just lead into that? <laughs> look, 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 look at the page here. Just, just so I can mark it off. People will be upset with me if I don't ask you this question. Oh, yeah. Will there be an album release show? <laughs> He's got to at least do his okay. part. Yes, there will. We do not know where yet. So we, it's, we've had a few uh, of our friends at different venues here in town that have asked us to do it there. And, yeah, man... It's strategically, we have to do it the right way. We really do. So, is this place too big? You know, I would rather play somewhere that packs it out. It's just got to be the right, right place, right time, right vibe. It has to be. High tone or growlers? Those are good venues. They're not going to, they're too small. But I love the places. But for, I mean, so I see what you're saying then, because you got because you're looking at Minglewood. I mean, I can't do it too so much. well. I can't do it too so small that the people that need to, the people can't get in. Mm-hmm. Um, Growlers is one of the people that's actually talked to me about. it. That's a great venue. I love that venue. My boys in Under the Radar play there. I don't think it's big enough for Roxy Blue to do an album release party. I don't think it's. A, I don't think I'm opposed to going in there and doing a gig. Um, but who knows? I mean, I know that, that Lafayette's, the Julian's approached us about that. I know that we've been approached by Rock, Rock House Live, out the, the bigger one, about doing it out there. Um, you know, to do something like that, we'd have to, like, can the tables, man. It would have to be standing room. And, and it, it, no matter where we do it, it ha- whatever, if you're, if you're playing in one of those places, the place has to be transformed into a Roxy Blue show. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Y'all been to them. Lafayette's would be cool, yeah. too. Well, Julie and me are really good friends. And, you know, I know Zach Barr from Jack Bear, Zach Bear from um, Rock Houses. And I'm not opposed. To, we're, we've all talked about it. We want to play these places no matter what. Far as, so, Minglewood, my buddy works, does is a big deal at Graceland. So, That's a cool venue out of Grace. But you got to be you know. scared. I, I, you, and, and, you know, I'm glad that people are reaching out to us to do this. But, and definitely not into hurting anybody. You know, you know, being, oh, yeah, we're not going to do it here. We're going to do it here. Because we're going to end up doing them all. But Minglewood Hall is a great venue. It is. But you got to bring at least a thousand people in there to make it look like mm. you're doing something. And that's not out of the question. Um, we have not played around here like a full-blown show like mm-hmm. in town. I mean, no, you can't, haven't done Michaels was that new. But we've, we're pondering who's going to play with us, and that might be the tale of all tales. So that's in the works. So to answer your question, yes, we will be doing an album release party without a doubt. Um, but we're going to make sure it's the right place, right time. And the way I think, who knows, man, we might end up doing this here and then this here and making it a, a two week party. Who there knows? But yeah, we're going to, we're going to do it because we we love playing Memphis, but it's, you know, we just had to be, we got to be, when we do, it's got to be. Like that's what I meant by strategically is when yeah, about it, it and make so. sure that like you said a normal show <clears> is, <throat> is perhaps a bit different than a than a release show you know and you want to do that do that right and thoughtful. Well, you know, Tora so, did the Minglewood thing, and you know, 
those guys, you know, they've 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 earned their stripes. That's a good way to say it. So they did. That was a pretty pretty big show there. It was. Um, so, you know, I'm not out to compare what we're doing to them. They're their own entity, and every every mother's nightmare is their own, and we're our own. Yes, it would be great to put those three bands together and, and do a tour or something, and we've been asked a thousand times to do it. And I think that that probably will happen eventually. I hope it does, because those are all, all those guys, we're all buddies, and we're all going for the same thing. I don't think anybody's really out to be, you know, like back in the day, I think all of us were out to be rock stars, man. That's what our dream was, man. We're going to go out there, we're going to conquer the world, man. It's going to be great. But... I think we all found out that that was so overrated, you know, that it, we're going to conquer the world, we're going to be rock stars, and then we found out, whoa, it'll end in one day. I mean, you'll be like the talk of the town one day, no pun intended, <laughs> uh, and the next day, not me. And so I think we all do it for different reasons now. And the reason I would imagine would be is because we all love to play music and we've all been given a second chance to get out there and get the, the world to hear ourselves. I'll tell you something that was really cool from a from a fan's perspective, from an outside perspective. Obviously, we, we you know you don't know what's going on behind the, the bed sheets, as they say. But from a fan's perspective, you know, the, the Memphis Three, you know, Every Mother's Nightmare and Tora Tora and Roxy Blue, you know, I'm sure you guys were certainly competitors. And like you said, you guys wanted to go out and conquer the world. But you, you guys always seem to have a camaraderie about you and a friendship about you. And, and again, from a fan's perspective, you know, both now uh, as an adult and, and as a kid, you know, in the early days, I, I always loved that, right? Because I had a Memphis connection, you know, living in Memphis. And, and I liked the fact you wanted those bands that you were fans of to be buddies, to be fans of each other. And you guys did seem to have, you know, a bit of a brotherhood and kind of a camaraderie. And, and you just you and we still touched are. on that. That's, yeah, even at Rockabod. Oh, we all, still are. The first Rockabod, when David and I first met oh, yeah. three bands, all side by yeah. side, all laughing, having fun with you each other. You almost seem to pull for each other. You we know, do. Like you were rooting I, for the and others. That, and that, you're right about that. We all do. I mean, all three of us, of course, everybody's out to do their own thing. I mean, that's just the nature of the beast. Everybody wants to... You want you know you have your own machine that you have to run, and you got to do your own thing. But man, I you know I, I posted something the other day. Uh, yeah, which today? So, yeah, yesterday. Yesterday morning when I woke up, um, I listened to uh, under the radar. Uh, I listened to Every Mother's Nightmare, uh, the New Fast Mothers. I listened to yeah Shotgun Billies on there Shotgun Billies Tora Tora um, and the, my my buddies in Fever Tree um, and man I just I personally you know I don't get out to see a lot of bands that much anymore I mean I'm I'm really busy so the, the time I do have to myself I like to spend with my with my my, my family. And so, I, but I try to keep up and listen to all these guys. And I really love what's going on in Memphis right now. There's some great, even my, my guys, you know, I manage under the radar. The, that young band, man, they're killing it. They're great guys. They're a great band. Uh, they got a humongous future. Uh, they got a humongous future, I think. They're super talented. They're, they're starting to write on their own and writing some great songs. Um, so, you know, 
and I should have put them on there too, but you know, I listen to them all the time, you know. So, um, and if you haven't heard them, you should go see them. And I, I have to plug them because I'm a. Oh, big we've fan. had them on here. Before. They're just great. Um, but all those bands I just listed, I play. There's so many. That's my rock side. And I just, I just had a feeling, you know. I do that periodically. I'll just go put on my my friends. And I, a lot of those bands I just named just came out with all those bands came out with new records. I know Shotgun Billy's um, Lance is wanting me to go see them tonight, but um, they they're working on a new record, and they're just super talented guys. All those guys, and um, you know, I know, and I'm gonna go ahead and plug everybody while I'm on here because the Fast Mother's got a brand new record out, and I really think it's really good, and I really do. Um, of course, everybody knows Bastards of Bill from Tour Tour. It's a great record. Um, Every Mother's Nightmare has got a new single coming out um, and working on some new material but um, the Delta Voodoo what's the name of that old album? Oh, Smoke and Delta Smoke Voodoo and that Delta was a Voodoo. killer album that's a great that album um, so I, I listened to that um, and then of course Fever Tree I mean top to bottom that's a great you guys should get them on here Tim Deals and the guys man that's a great record so you know I just try to support um, Memphis music to myself you know I, yeah, I'm very awesome. proud you know, and I was always a big fan of, of a lot of Memphis music that was not in our genre really you know Jimmy Davis um, Injunction I, mean, I still go back and listen to that stuff I, I, I really like that John Kilzer bless his heart but it's just great artist and there's you know but I'm really really proud I'm really proud of what's going on in Memphis musically right now and I wished and I'm going out on a limb here because I'm sure that nobody's gonna so the powers to be man I just want people to pay attention I think if you pay attention to what's going on in Memphis, you might, like, it might enlighten you. Mm. There's a lot of good music going on out right now. And I'm not just talking about, yeah, that band's pretty good. I'm talking about there's some great it's stuff. Com- great stuff. Great music coming out of this town. And we're, we're just glad to be a part of it. You know, we left Memphis and did all of our stuff. I don't think... Even though we were a Memphis band, it's weird because I think a lot of people in the powers to be, whatever that means, you know, is like Tor Tor was the Memphis Suns, you know, I mean, you know, they were always, you know, we packed it out and stuff, but we were, I think when you watched us, we didn't really have a lot of blues bass to us, you know, I mean, we were... I think it's there, but we came across more like an L.A. band, you know, or that genre, Van Halen. So I don't know that we were embraced in Memphis, like from the powers to be or the so-called decision makers or whatever the crap that is, you know, Um, we would love to be. I mean, we love Memphis. We've, you know, everywhere we went. We were proud to say we were from Memphis, man. We still are. Yeah, it should be, yeah, it should be noted. I mean, guys, we're we're sitting here in Memphis, Tennessee, right now, conducting this interview. Right. And, but Todd, I, but I don't, I don't think that because we didn't have that that blues sound and that you know, you know, both nightmares and 
tour tour kind of got that little bit of thing going on. We just never did. I mean, we did. I mean, I don't know. There was a um, it was it called Mississippi Moon. You know what I'm talking about? I don't know. It's on the strip record, and it's just a tidbit of it. But I remember me and Sid wrote something, and and it was written years and years ago. And then a couple of years after that, I think they came out with Uncle Tom's Cabin. Mm. So, okay. kind of in that genre, um, um, but no, as a band, we were never that type of music. And I don't know that we've ever. And you know what's weird? When when I started Saliva, same thing happened, man. Saliva was. I mean. We had people saying, oh, yeah, spit. You know, we had powers to be or whatever. Just wouldn't really give us a nod, but we were asked to play the Grammys here in Memphis, which was a weird thing for them to have a band like us get up there and play. And I remember we got up there and we just killed it, man. We smoked it. We played Groovy, song we had called Groovy. And... But we never got a nod, man. We never were taken serious. The, the fans did. That's the thing. When I say what I'm saying now, the fans have always been cool to Roxy Blue. They've always been we cool with Saliva when we did that. But until both, both bands got signed, nobody gave them up. In the powers mm-hmm. to be, gave them up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I liked them the whole time. Never got that until we got signed. Just never like the Southern Blues flavor, I guess. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it took Saliva to three records to even get to the, where they brought in a little bit of that. But they were holding a whole different ball. And, and, and if you're listening and don't know, I mean, Todd, Todd was a founding member of Saliva and, uh, and the, the original drummer of the band. Yeah, and played drums for my father-in-law, Jimmy Jameson. And, you know, Jimmy was the same way. I mean, and I can say this because I'm in the fam- family, but I don't think that Jimmy got the correct nod in Memphis that he deserved I mean I mean I might be in I'm just being honest I'm gonna lay it on the table I don't have anything to hide I don't think that Jimmy was one of the greatest vocalists in the whole world easily easy um, wasn't Casey, it Casey Casey called him the voice called him the voice yeah and I told you my dad my dad worked with him in, when he did some jingles for oh yeah the over in, uh, Tanner Company Tanner yeah yeah and my dad said the guy was just insane well he it took a lot for us to get him a note on Bill Street. It should have been a given. It really should have. And that's what frustrates me sometimes about... And he why, never left Memphis. Why are the people here. that are the people being put in the positions that they are if they can't make the right decisions? I mean, some things are blatant, man. You know, you, Jimmy Jameson was an international star. Mm-hmm. So everywhere he went, and trust me, he was damn proud to say you know I'm from Memphis he wasn't really from Memphis he, when he was born but he pretty much grew up in Memphis Memphis was his he place was born, he was born down in Mississippi Mississippi but I mean in a little in, uh, way Kosciuszko Durant and, yeah. or something like that Durant yeah like way way in you know, the country but Memphis was, was his deal that's where all his music came up and before I was a part of his family, I was proud to even know that I was in the same city as him. I mean, that guy, and and I just don't think that he got the acknowledgement that that he deserved. I don't. So that what the reason I say that is that I think that carries over to a lot of 
things. And I think that people need to pay more attention to what's going on right in front of their face. Because there's a lot of great music right here in Memphis. And it don't have to be what's being played on Bill Street. And it doesn't have to be what's being played in just the clubs that you, whoever you may be, want to go out and see. Go out to a rock bar. You know, you don't even have to like rock and roll music, which if you don't like rock and roll music, you probably don't need to be in the business anyway. But go out and see somebody just because you crank up an amp. Distortion is probably one of the most beautiful sounds I've ever heard in my life. But I will tell you, too, Memphis just doesn't support rock, period. Not just our our, our homegrown. There's a reason why so many bands, while we have to drive to Nashville or Little Rock or New Orleans... They don't get the support here. It shouldn't be that way because to me, this is the birthplace. This is where it's all about. Yeah, agreed. And you want to talk about Elvis rolling over in his grave for those who believe that he's dead. I mean, seriously, he would roll (laughs) over in his grave if he just saw what he saw. Because, yes, look, there's some heavy metal underground bands that are out there and some, some... left field bands that are taking bigger chances than any mainstream that I mean going back as far as Nirvana in Seattle I mean and bands like that that was left field let's forget about their commercial stuff let's go back there's bands here in town playing high tone playing growlers you know they're playing stuff that they know that it's underground. They know they're not going for mainstream, <laughs> but they're badass, man. You know what I'm saying? There's right. stuff in there, and I, I think agree. that you know what I mean. I've seen and a lot of good bands in the city. There's a lot of great bands, and I think that they don't even want to get acknowledged. Like, I'm not trying to be mean here, but I don't care about the voting for who's the best singer in Memphis and who's the best band, that little contest they have. If they want to, I've, I've never been into contest. I just don't. I've never wanted to judge artistic abilities about, you know, who got the most votes or who had their friends call in the most. I've just never been about that. You like it or you don't like it. Because I, I think it kills someone's spirit. You know what I'm saying? Music is an emotion. How do you judge that? I mean, are you better than I am, or am I better than you are, really? Just because maybe I sold more records, or maybe because I got a record deal, or you, or did... Does that make you better than me? I don't think it does. I think it... I think that... I I guess what I, I appreciate anyone out there that's playing music, because that's a language. It's a language that is, has to be learned, and... It's it's a brutal business out there. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's level. not much of a business. It takes anymore. a commitment level. I mean, whether you're playing Madison Square Garden or whether you're playing a dive bar in Pick Your City, I mean, it's it's a it's a commitment, and it's not a uh, it's not always a glamorous and easy, easy lifestyle. It's you not, know, man. It's it's it is hard because you know? you're putting yourself out there. You know, when you play music on a stage, you're going to be judged, and. You know, we do live in a town. Even my friends that played from out of town that come in, like Memphis is a hard place to play. We've seen it all, man. You know, I mean, you know, but I guess what I'm saying, and I am not trying to be mean to, you know, I don't even know who, you know, I'm not going to get into the powers to be. I'm just saying that, you know, I think that the, there needs to be more open-mindedness, you know. I mean, um, 
I, you know, just forget about the contest stuff and all that. I think that's a downer to me. I think if you try to vote, what's your best, you know, who's the best band in Memphis? Well, I mean, who's the best cover band? Who's the best original mm-hmm. music? How do you judge that? See, and you yeah. mentioned, too, how Memphis can be tough. I, I was thinking of um, a band I've been seeing for years in this city. They're, uh, they're a rock band with a little bit of hints of Americana. They're called American Aquarium. I've seen them play to about 15, 20 people. The last time they were here, they were at the high tone. And it wasn't even a big crowd. Well, if they were in the back room and the place was packed. But, it, but they were in the big room this time. It wasn't even a big... I mean, what would you say, Caden? 200, maybe? That's right. That's not, pretty not, packed in there. But, but, but they used to play, as they're doing very well in all these cities across. And I remember the singer said, Memphis, you've been a tough nut to crack. Yeah. He actually acknowledged that. Yeah. And because they had been selling out and doing very well in cities all across, like you've been a very tough. I remember Warren coming to town with Firehouse in no, it was Yeah, I don't know. Warren some I remember them and I remember Tesla, my buddies in Tesla. Oh, when they played at six one six? Well, we did that show with them, but I remember when they did the that was an insane show. That was man. when you were with Sugar Ditch. Yeah. I saw you that at that was a great show. <laughs> yeah. But I remember That's when they played with Tesla. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was Tesla and, you know, I want to say, I want to say Firehouse Open. But both Tesla and Warren at two different times, uh, I remember them saying, and they loved Memphis. They both bands loved Memphis. But they, they made the uh, point to tell me, man, it's, it's a tough crowd. Because mm. I said, well, dude, they've seen it all. I mean, you got to bring it, dude. And it makes you a better musician to play in Memphis, I think. I think you got to know when you walk on a stage in Memphis, you have to have your guns loaded. Because they've seen it all. And there's so many great musicians. Heck, the guys playing down on Bill Street that are just sitting on the curb out there yeah. playing are badass. Yeah. You know? You're right. So... So you know, on the on, on, on the topic of just the music industry and, and, and totality being a, a difficult industry and it's not always glam and glitz. I mean, obviously the the music is marketed differently now, and the entire industry has obviously changed since since you know the the, the early '90s when you know your your debut was released. Um, you know, what, what's been the biggest adjustment for you guys, you know, this time around, you know, and, and, and your new album's about to drop in August and social media, ver, you know, and less physical copies and more people in Spotify and iTunes. I mean, you know, with your partnership with Frontiers, I mean, is there kind of an overall strategy, you know, towards, towards that and marketing your music differently than it was in the past? I mean, how have you guys approached that, Todd? That's a great question. Well, the biggest change that I've seen is that there's a lot more work for us to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, we have to get out there. Self-promotion is huge. You have to get out there, and you've got to make it work. You can't sleep on it. We're lucky enough that we have Frontiers out there that's, you know, giving us a canvas, so to speak. You know, they're setting up, you know, interviews. I know they've set up interviews. I've done Sweden, Germany, Canada. They're setting all this stuff up. And and so they do a lot of overseas stuff for us. But it's they told us on the front end, you know. Like, it's like, not like the old days, man. The old days, man, we were signed to Geffen. All we did was 
Party and rock. And we was no had an social. interview at 2 p.m. today. Be right. Here. Be photo shoot over here. We had somebody take care of you. They came and picked you up. They took you to it. I mean, it was rock star shit. You know what I'm saying? Now, it makes you stronger. You got to get out there and do it yourself. You have to do the work. You got to do the work, man. So if you're going to do a photo shoot, you set the photo shoot up. You get it done. If you're going to go, you know, it's just... It's just different. Back then, we didn't have to do. We were, and I was. It's funny you said that because I said something to Josh. Josh is not. When Josh and we got back together, Josh wasn't even. He'd been kind of out of it for a minute, so still plays his ass off. But he was looking at me, going, "I'm like, hey, dude. So we have to self promote. We have to do this. You know, let me show you what I've done all week. And of course, we've gotten a few people. We have people working for us now, doing certain things for us. Alan Bone does our. Uh, not the Alan Bone, Never Mother's Nightmare, another friend of ours. Alan Bone does our internet and stuff. Um, I almost have to have that because I'm so busy. And I'm okay. I love doing the work. I mean, I'm okay, man. I'm, you know, you can sit around and bitch and moan and groan about everything, but how bad do you want it? I still got that, you know what I mean? I still want people to hear the music. Not so much about being Johnny Rockstar anymore. It's about just... Okay, dude, we worked really hard on this record. Yeah. Now we got to get it out there and play. And the other thing is, is yes, we are working on live gigs because that's what it's all about these days. Because that whole genre of music is like we notice we go to these festivals and stuff. It's huge. I mean, people still want to hear yes. the older bands, which that's a whole other deal because I still don't understand then why is it not on the radio all the time you know you go to these festivals and these people live and breathe it but it's not being played on the radio so there's another power to be somebody's pushing a button it's like a robot this is what you're going to listen to and this is what you're going even on. rock music is isn't being played i yeah. mean it's not and even i mean so, I, you know the big phase the big deal everybody's going through rock music stand rock music stand that's all i heard you know under the radar when i first started with them that was a big question. Well, they're doing rock and roll and rock and roll's dead. Rock and roll is not dead and it will never die. So a whole, even the Seattle type music is kind of gone now. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like somebody said, okay, oh, psh, that's over. Let's start something over. Let's do the boy band with hard rock as far, music. Yes, as far as popular music, it is dead. It is dead. For rock is dead and popular. But and to popular me, music. what's out there now is dead. The thing, it's just being shoved down your throat, so you have to like it. Agreed. It's the Masharona syndrome. You know what that is? You hated the song, but you sang it so many, because they played it so many times on the radio, you find yourself driving down the road going, ma 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 <laughs> but you know? see, I, I mean, I agree with what you're saying. Like, I've, I've said this before. It's like, I sound like an old, crusty bastard now when I start talking about how popular music is the worst it's ever been. But the reason why it is is because there, there's no mix. There's no variety. It's pop and it's hip-hop. There's that's, no identity. That's, that's all there is. Like, because I look about, like, growing up in the 80s, it could be anybody from Madonna to Motley Crue to... Corey Hart and the Pet Shop Boys. But let me ask you great stuff. When you heard one of those bands, you knew exactly who it was, right? Yeah. These days, to me, I might even think something's kind of catchy but not really like it, but the next song comes on and I'll tell you the truth, you could play 10 of them and to me, they're the same band. I I do not have, there's no identity. So, and I, I was talking about this the other day. Really, there got to be that kind of there was a point at the end of 
the I hate the I hate this word, but it is what it is. The hair metal era, the glam rock, which I never considered us a glam band, by the way. Um, the glam probably sounds better than hair. Well, we never. I don't think we hairsprayed that much. Scotty might have, but I don't think. We <laughs> um, but there got to a point where I think there was a. I think people were getting anxious because there was an end of an era coming and I think you could just almost feel it and it sounded like a lot of the bands that were coming out started sounding alike you know let's just get it out there get it out there get it out there we were hoping that we weren't that band you know we didn't feel like we were but there I mean you had your some of the, some of the hair band, the, the megastar hair bands would say they were the creators, and then they had some that were kind of made it and made their own identity, and then there were the ones below that that were not so original. And I kind of get that, and then I go, okay, really? So who'd you learn from? Everybody learns from somebody else. I don't care who you are. Everybody listened to someone else to get to where they were. You didn't wake up one morning and go, okay, man, this is me, you know? I mean, as much as Kurt Cobain changed the world in music, he did, probably single-handedly. He did, but we needed it. As bad as he ruined our career and everybody else's, our possible career, I liked it. But it happened. And you can't gripe about it. You know why? Because there's no way of changing it. It just happened. And I think it needed a change. I think you're right, though. I just when hated you, that it happened then. Give me five more years. I would have taken six months to a year. That, that, that's where I was going with this. Is, you, know, you mentioned, you say, you know, you know, in reality, you, know, you say, I, I didn't really consider us a, a hair band or a glam band. And, you know, it, it, you know it, I, I almost didn't either. To be honest with you, I mean, yeah, you were you were in the genre. Well, if you saw but, us live, you didn't you didn't get that. That's you know right. That's right. But if you saw the picture of us with the with the dog I, or the puppy, <laughs> you probably did. Yeah. Or the pull out poster from Want Some. That maybe didn't. That, that maybe. Well, that maybe I mean, goes I, with I, the I, I think but some of the I pictures think... that were taken of us, you can look at that, and they were. I like the one with you with the dollar. <laughs> well, you know what though? I'll be honest with you. That kind of stuff didn't bother me. What bothered me the most is, and we were in a. We were in a tornado, man. We didn't know. I mean, we were just happy to be there. You know what I mean? I mean, you got guys who signed Guns N' Roses. Your producers did Guns N' Roses. Your your manager's Motley Crue's manager. Oh, yeah, you're you guys had out. Mike Clink and you're, Zutat. Yeah, man, we're hanging. Incredible. Zutat messaged me the other day and said he's coming to the Chattanooga show. <laughs> That's awesome. But we had all this. We, we, we got to try to go to that. We yeah. had this power team, dude, around us. And... So, yeah, what bothered me, I guess, you know, we had some of the pictures and they're trying to throw us in there and we're going, you know, we got this look and and I, we, we all laugh about that now. But, you know, that's what it was expected. But I, I want to say this, too. We were just talking about the power team. And I, I had said this the other day, too. And this is crazy because I never thought about this for years. And, and you guys might not have either. So I'm going to bring it up now. So, we never thought about it at the time, and I think it might have been a good thing that it never soaked in until after it was over. You've got 
Tom Zutai, who is Motley, who signed Motley Crue, uh, Guns N' Roses, Tesla. I mean, just to name a few. But those are the big dogs, right? I mean, they, they're they're still working on Use Your Illusion. Mike Clink is. We got Mike Clink. He's still working on that record when we go in, right? We got Doug Thaler, who was a co-manager with Doc McGee, with Bon Jovi, and Motley all those Crew, guys. Skid Row. Motley Crue, Skid Row. He takes Motley Crue and goes on his own. So he has Motley Crue and Roxy Blue. Wow. So this is our team that surrounds us. And what kind of pressure is that on a band coming out of Memphis, Tennessee to be able to yeah. live up to that kind of, I mean, yeah. or this is the next thing. Now, I'm going to say something. Maybe good had, as you said that that didn't soak in with you until after the fact because, my It God, didn't soak like, in to me until recently. We were talking <laughs> about it going, man, I don't know that I realized how much pressure that a heck of a team was around on. us. But I'm going to say something that, and, and this is totally just me talking. It's not an ego. I mean, it, it does make me feel good, good or bad or what it was. But because of the team we had, I was told by somebody before I saw it that we made the rock and roll history books. And I'm like, what? They're like, yeah, man. You were the last uh, signed band, great, I guess, from Tom Zutat. Tom Zutat was the, because of everything he had done, we were his last signing of that era that was supposed to be his last great signing. And I saw it. I'm trying to think of the name of the book it's in. Mm. And then Josh will tell you, yeah, but then also they said that it was, uh, we, that signing, because of the thinking, hey man, you know, this band, this band's supposed to be the next big thing. Man, that's a lot of shit. That's a big, that's a big holster to put a gun in. You know what I'm saying? Because that's, that's, you're talking about Guns N' Roses that were, were at that time were the biggest thing in the world. And the next thing he signed was, well, he signed Tesla, but I mean, they're huge too. But the next thing he signs us. And wow, they're going, hey, and, and then Tom's going through kind of a divorce at the time. So, I mean, it was a lot going on and we're like, we're just, we don't even know what we're doing. We're just out there. Yeah, you know, I think timing, this is great, right? Oh, timing. Was I think there. timing was a big piece of it. When you timing think, was because everything. You, even like you just said, five minutes ago, you said, well, I would have even taken an additional six months. You're right. Because when you think about it, Wolf Song came out in 92. You know, if you rewound that clock six or seven months, you know, in 91... Well, when MTV was still still relevant. And in 91, you still had them. And you had a big tour with Warrant Trickster and Firehouse and Blood, Sweat, and Beers tour. And, you know, it was 92. I mean, you guys were... We were supposed to go... You were just so close and so buttoned up, you know, back to back. So the schedule was this. Nirvana era that came This was supposed to happen. This right here was supposed to happen, which really... We knew that Doug Thaler, our manager, had a big plan for us. So we kind of went with the flow. And we did keep going, hey, dude, we got to get on a big tour. You know, the Babylon thing, it was Wild Side. We had a blast with Wild Side and stuff and bad guys in Babylon and stuff. But that was, and we did a lot of branch offs. Like we would leave that tour and we were selling a lot of that tour. But 
we would branch off and go play with somebody else. Do a one-off. We did docking. We did a lynch mile. We did a few. Did a one-off, and then we'd fly back or whatever, and get back on the tour. That was a fun tour, and I'm gonna see Drew and Rock and Pod. I cannot wait. He's my brother. I have not seen him since, but I just wanted to say that that we were. Tommy Lee had made the announcement at the Troubadour the night we played that we, all the guys in Motley Crue were there. They were, they, Karabi was with them. It was the Hooligans holiday. They all came out to support us, which it was a great night. It was so much fun. A wild night. I will tell you, it was wilder <laughs> than wild even can spell. But Tommy, <clears throat> I remember going up, and the guys at Shotgun Messiah were up there. And me and Scotty and, and Tommy walked upstairs, and he's like, these guys right here, Roxy Blue's going on tour. We're getting ready to make the announcement. Roxy Blue's going on tour with Molly Crew. Oh, wow. And we knew this was getting ready to happen. Doug, on the 94 album? The Hooligans yeah, Holiday? Yeah, Doug had come to us, and this is going to happen. And so we, we were like, you know, we're ready, dude. This is going to be awesome. It was just the fact of how many people we were going to be playing in front of. That's all we cared about. We just wanted to play in front of a lot of people every night. And, man, I mean, it wasn't two months later. <sighs> Arena Rock was playing the Omni New Daisy. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying Motley Crue couldn't still bring them in, but I think that they had to readjust their They had whole, a tough time. They, they had to readjust. They canceling a big yeah, they, had a, yeah. they had a tough they did. time. They did. Well, I knew, they, can, tour I, I knew they canceled a lot because everything was canceled with us. And we were like, Doug came to us and was like, dude, I got some bad news. And I'm like, well, give it to me. I've heard a bunch of it. And he's like, that deal, whole deal is being canceled. And that just really took the wind out of ourselves. But we, we were still, all right, we're still going to go for it. But at that point, it was like, well, cool. We got off the tour. We did a bunch, a few shows with different people. And then they were like, okay, well, go start writing another record. And then we went to write a record. And uh, Scotty and I, had he had a studio at his house. We basically did all the pre-production. And it was a good record, man. And Sid was kind of, Sid was always there. He was always there. Me and him were always on the same page, and we weren't anymore. I mean, he was caught up in his girlfriend at the time. And I just think he just had a little, I, I don't know, man. You know, I, I love Sid. He's a good person, so I can't really say anything bad about him. He's just a great guy. But it just wasn't the same anymore. And we wanted to move. So we fired him. And I'm not sure that that was a good move. I really don't. It, I mean, I've, I've thought about it. I've spent many hours thinking about it. And I think it was a, I think it was an on a whim move. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we were really wanted to keep moving on. And I think he was, he just wasn't putting the time and the effort into it that we were. And I think it made us resent him a little bit. And I think, because and and I and this is too. I think because of the change and everything that was going on, we just knew we weren't wanting to be that band again. And people don't realize, man, what's going through a person's head at that time, man. You know, if you're a part of it. So anyway, we ended up getting Wayne and firing Sid. I don't think he's ever got over it. I'll be honest with you. So we'll leave that at that. Because 
I'm getting off on a tangent, but well, Todd, we have some more questions for you, but I think we're going to hold them for Nashville. Oh, really? August cool. the 10th, uh, Rockin' Pod at the uh, Marriott at the uh, airport. Did I blow your questions out, man? No, 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 no. It's just we're actually we're running out of battery life. You got twenty. Hey, I do. You got twenty well, pages well, then, of questions. Then let's yeah. do this. Then if you're going to ask, I do want to just point up one thing because I do want to at least get an answer on this one. You got you got a little bit of time, right? Yeah. Just, I just want to ask. Um, when we were talking last time, I think when we had you, we talked about your uh, your album. How how it was almost impossible to find want some, and if you do, it's on Amazon for yeah fifty to hundred bucks. But now you're on Spotify, you're on Apple. How did that happen? Do you do you know about that? How that? I do know that. I don't. I don't know. I think, <laughs> I you that. do know that. I don't know. I do know that. I don't know. I don't know that. I really don't. Uh, I got a call one day from Alan Bone, who does our internet, said, "Hey, dude, you guys are on Spotify now, and you're on Amazon." And I'm like, "Really?" So, you know, I had a lot of people complain about that for years, going, "Man, how come you guys are not on that? How come you're yeah. on serious radio? How come I'm not driving out the road and I don't hear y'all on here and all that?" And I'm not sure what the deal was on that. I don't. I, I don't know if we didn't follow up or or what happened with that. I, I don't know. But I know that everybody says that we're everybody was real happy to see we're on that now. Um, but we are talking, and right now we're concentrating on the new record. But we are talking to Frontiers about possibly. Uh, Maybe trying to do a re- some kind of release on one. Todd. Can you just read wow. this last question right there? Can you read that? Can you read that? Can you read that live? Can you read the last yeah, question Todd, on that page? He is absolutely can you read in that? our head when it comes oh, to writing. Any plans for Frontiers to start re-releasing <laughs> out of print albums by the artists such as One Song? There you go. <laughs> so Todd, the, the moral is you need to start your own podcast because you're very good at anticipating. No, I just the need to keep doing it with you guys. <laughs> I mean, seriously, that is crazy. I understand some of the, I understand some of the other ones, like you being able to go right a, a step ahead of us, but that one, I didn't expect that one. Good. That's why I started laughing. It's great that they, it's, it's well. David just threw his favorite. I just threw. I just threw the interview behind me in the air. Interview I mean, over. Uh, hey, Ty, uh, you're always welcome. Uh, one of the best things that's happened from us doing this podcast is our friendship with you. Why are you? Me too. You're, you're our friend. First and foremost, so, but anytime you want to come on, you're more than welcome. Caton, anytime you can come on, you're Thank always you more than welcome. We're going to hang out with you in Nashville. Yeah, and let's make sure that we do a follow-up, after the, even after that podcast. Let's get together, all, all four of us. Absolutely. Let's get yeah. together again. I'll bring... I'll get a couple of the other guys. Yeah, come bring some of the guys. That'd be and awesome. get Josh and Jeff. And I mean, if Scotty's in town, we'll do that. And but we'll uh, we can do when we get around the table here and uh, and do a follow up yeah. on the entire record. Like after the record comes out, I think it'd be cool if we all got together, talk about some and tracks, just, and just talk about tracks. And, and and we can talk about how cool Rock and Pod was and how much fun we have. And, we ought to get together. Get, get the boys, man. We'll, how, the, how about this? Get the boys. We'll do a cookout. I'll, ha- I'll have plenty of beer. Let's and, just do that. And, there you and, go. And then we'll do a live. We'll and then everybody out there can just, maybe they can <laughs> smell your cooking. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, everybody. want to tell you, go to, Thanks. The, go to the Frontiers website. Pre-order the album. Pre- they, they have uh, a limited edition of signed copies available. Pre-order it. Kate and I want vinyl. 
to have because uh, we're big vinyl people. And Chris isn't a vinyl person, but something tells me he'll he'll get by it as well. Roxy Blue on Facebook. Uh, Roxy oh, we're Blue. everywhere. Roxy so. Twitter, Roxy Instagram, Twitter. Vans um, in town. Uh, you can go to RoxyBlueMemphis.com. So follow them on social media. Todd is very active on there. Uh, he responds to a lot of things. Uh, I try to. He, he does. He does. He does a good job of that. Thank you again, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next time. Todd, we'll see you in Nashville. Order the, the album. Get the album. It's going to be good. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.